Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined uh, from, <laughs> I think he has smallpox uh, from South Florida, Rob Cassidy. Rob, how's it going? I'm battling a touch of the smallpox and a touch of the flu on my birthday. It's it's really you know a good way to spend oh, it. Oh, today? Why do you know? What, it's your birthday? birthday? It is. Oh my gosh. Happy, happy birthday from <laughs> Rivals.com to you. We wish it was our birthday so we could party too. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. It means a lot. Can you tell Nick we used to work at Applebee's or <laughs> <laughs> every day is a party at Applebee's? Uh, well, happy birthday, Rob. The problem is, you know, you don't have any social media. Uh, speaking of which, I had, uh, I guess I should introduce Nick. Nick, how's it going? You heard him sing Rob, happy birthday. Well, I'm in a great mood, obviously, <laughs> celebrating Rob's birthday over here. So I had a college coach tell me the other night. That uh, a former recruiting analyst who, who's no longer uh, in the game had actually uh, DM'd him on his birthday saying, hey, can you tweet happy birthday to me? <laughs> I think I know who that is. I, I would have a, I have a pretty good guess. Right, It's pretty easy to guess for anybody who knows uh, the biz. But the coach, the coach's uh, face when he was explaining the story to me, he was like, you want me to you're. You're messaging me to tell me to tweet to you happy birthday. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, got a good laugh out of that one. So if you want to go ahead and DM some college coaches and tell them to shout you out on Twitter. Well, uh, you know what, though? Like with all, with all the things the college coaches de- you know, tweet and put out there, at this point, it's not getting too far-fetched to expect some of them to actually accommodate <laughs> some of those requests. Maybe more so from recruits than other reporters, but... Yeah, well, it, it uh, yeah, I, boy, I got some good stories. I wish I would have been recording, uh, on the, on the sideline there. We would have had some great stories to share on the podcast. Uh, but maybe, maybe, uh, maybe someday we can get, uh, somebody to be candid with us. But anyway, we're going to uh, remind you, please leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe, reach out to us on Twitter. If you have anything you'd like to hear us weigh in on, um, we, didn't get any new reviews this week, which is a bummer. So come on, guys. It's, it's, it's go right on your phone into the podcast app and leave a review. It's not that hard. Um, so anyway, do that. Now, we switched the format up last week where we jump right into the picks. Another rough week for me, I believe I went uh, one and two last week because I picked Vanderbilt, which, you know, I listened to another podcast on uh, The Ringer with Chris Vernon where he talks about uh, gambling and he has a role to never pick against Alabama. I should have I should have taken that rule. I don't know why I thought Vanderbilt would cover an 18-point spread. We lost by 59. Um, uh, you guys each went 2-1. and one. We all lost the Oklahoma State game as Rob and I were riding Oklahoma State big time, and, and now it looks like uh, that ride has come to an end. So this week, only two matchups of ranked teams, so I picked a bonus game as well. Oh, no, there, excuse me. There is three matchups. So uh, the first one, USC at Washington State. This one's on Friday night, uh, which is always a little bit weird, especially when you talk about a Pac-12 game at you know 10 Eastern. Uh, USC, a three-and-a-half point favorite going to Wazoo. Rob, you're sick, but I know you've already done your homework. You're you're 10-3 and three on the year, by the way. So uh, the people want to hear your picks first. So, so what do you think? I'm taking USC. Uh, and I guess the thinking behind this is talent generally wins out. Uh, USC is more talented at every position. Mike Leach is a fine football coach, but I just don't think that's enough points. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think 
I do think USC is going to lose a game at, at one point. And I, as I mentioned, some weird stuff happens to these these weeknight games in the Pac-12. I believe uh, when Legarrette Blunt punched the dude in the face, I think that was a Thursday night game. Uh, we've seen, you know, there's always weird games in Utah on week, weeknights, and uh, you know, going up to the Palouse as they call it there in, uh, in at Washington State. I, I don't know. I, it, it makes me nervous for USC, but three and a half points, it's not very much. So uh, I'm going to take the Trojans. Nick? Man, uh, boy, well, <clears throat> uh, I'll take uh, Washington State. Why not? Oh, boy. Nick trying to make a comeback. <laughs> uh, you know, Washington State's a good team, I think, but they, they can be kind of Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, like any uh, Mike Leach team, you never know what, what you're going to get. So uh, that'll be a fun game to watch. Hopefully, uh, we'll get to watch. I don't think we're all going to be on the road. So um, maybe after we get back from our, our respective Friday night destinations. Game number I'm, two. I'm on vacation, baby. I'm, I'm going to be on the road, but in a much different way than you two. Oh, wow. Must be nice. <laughs> you get- <laughs> I, will, I will be in the Caesars Palace Sportsbook watching these games. Yeah, exactly. So you'll be watching it, uh, probably legally gambling. Absolutely. But- Let's hope you can keep your record, your record alive. Um, as I mean, if you had bet your own bets every week, ten and three, you'd be you'd be sitting pretty right now. But game number two, Mississippi State at Auburn. Auburn a nine and a half point favorite, and guess what? I'm going first this time, and I'm taking uh, the Bulldogs here. I, Auburn's got a really good defense. Uh, they obviously you know killed Missouri, which may be one of the worst teams in all of uh, Power Five football this year, but. Uh, I don't know, man. Mississippi State had a bad game last week. They played well against LSU. So I think nine and a half points is a lot. I'm going to take uh, almost said Mizzou again. Miss State. <laughs> Klanga. Rob? I will also take Mississippi State. I think it's too many points. I think that Mississippi State is probably somewhere between. The, I mean, they're definitely not the team that played super well against LSU and blew them out, but they're not the team that looked terrible last week either. Uh, I think they're probably somewhere in the middle. I think Auburn is probably a little bit overvalued. I think that you know Auburn wins this game by three points. I'll take Mississippi State. Okay, Nick. Uh, yeah, I'll take Mississippi State as well. Boy, a clean sweep. So despite the Bulldogs looking so bad, I mean, I think last week you had a unusual situation where Georgia jumped out to a fourteen nothing lead, and then Mississippi State's kind of out of their game. I think. Uh, uh, yeah, like you said, I expect him to bounce back. And I, I don't know, Auburn's ranked like number 13 in the country. I cannot believe that. That, that seems seems a little high, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, yes. Right. I'll agree with myself on that one. <laughs> Confirmed. Um, Confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was looking at these rankings yesterday, not to get on a diatribe, but it's like, you know, because I saw the SEC bragging about how many teams they have ranked. Notre Dame's not even ranked. Right in the top twenty-five, yet LSU is twenty-two and Mississippi State's twenty-four. Okay, Notre Dame's won, lost to Georgia by one point. Somehow Mississippi State loses by thirty, and they're better than Notre Dame. How does that make any sense? LSU got real lucky to get out of that game against Syracuse last weekend, if you ask me. I mean, they get that pick six on the first play of the game, and if they don't get that, they probably lose. Right, and, and they're ranked ahead of Mississippi State. They just lost to them by thirty points last week. Yes, and then almost lost to Syracuse. Right, and that's in the coaches' poll. Way to go, coach. Yeah, the coaches know everything, as the fans often tell us on the message boards. Um, Anyway, game number three. 
Clemson at Virginia Tech, another of our once again staying in this time in the ACC. Virginia Tech, seven-point underdog here. They're at home. They've got a good defense. They're ranked very high as well. Ooh, Nick, why don't you go first on this one? Man, you know, I'd feel a lot better about picking a lot of the, you know, th- this game and the Mississippi State game as well. I mean, if these if these lines were closer to like four and a half, three and a half points, you know, I'd be a lot more confident about all of these things. Th- this one, this one makes me nervous too. I mean, I, I, I guess I'm going to have to keep riding the Clemson train. Uh, although, you know, the the Virginia Tech defense. You know, I think is uh, you know is a sneaky X factor in this game. Talking about uh, you know Kelly Bryant and the, the season that he's had, so I don't know. I'm I'm gonna go with Clemson, but I don't I don't I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, I will also take Clemson. The Virginia Tech defense is fine. They've not played anything like Clemson. That's all road teams for me this weekend. By the way, I just noticed that, so that probably means I'm going to win three. Oh, jeez, that's fine. Yeah, I hate picking all. I hate picking all road teams as well. You know what? I'm going to pick Virginia Tech. It's a stupid pick. I said I would never pick against Clemson again, but I lied. I, I, I just yeah, you did not lie. You, you falsified. Oh yeah, this guy doesn't want to. <laughs> never mind. I'm not going to say anything. Um, the <laughs> way to go, Rob. You made me laugh now. Um, the like issue that. I have with Clemson, and this is sort of weird, is. I remember Kelly Bryant. I really liked him as a recruit, but I can never get that Shrine Bowl game out of my head where I think he went like two for 13 with like two interceptions. And I always think he's just one game away from his, you know having a, a terrible game like that to come back and, and sort of bite him. So I still think they win, but I think you know we saw them beat Auburn 14-6 to six or whatever. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a low-scoring game uh, because of that Virginia Tech defense. So I'm going to take the Hokies to cover there at home, and that way I don't pick all uh, road teams, as Rob said. So anyway, on the year, as I mentioned, Rob 10-3, and three, Nick 6-7. and seven. I'm 5-8, and eight, so not, don't listen to my picks. I'm, I'm, doing, uh, I'm doing bad this year, at least on these picks. And other picks, I might be doing better, but uh, we can't disclose those on the podcast. So... Let's jump right into the topics. Right after we recorded last week, I believe, Nebraska fires their athletic director. Um, this was a guy who had come out and, and kind of said said that they needed to win more games, be more competitive. This was right after he gave Mike Riley a contract extension. And when he got fired, I mean, it was almost like Riley got fired. We went straight into, you know, essentially hot boards and Who's going to replace Riley? Now, they haven't even hired an AD, which I think is going to have to happen first before any coaching changes are made. And this is Mike Riley's third year. I mean, I know they're not doing well. They, they struggled this past weekend with Rutgers. They're 2-2. Two and two. Uh, I, What do you guys think? Personally, I think Riley deserves an, the, this full year and a chance to hang on to this recruiting class, which is currently very good. I mean, I, of course – I saw, you know, the national pundits say they need to do a better job recruiting. Well, it's like they've been doing a good job recruiting. He's only had two full classes. I mean, what do you want the guy to do in such a short period of time? Um, so, Rob, we'll start with you. You you, you follow uh, this situation closely. We've had Riley on the show. What do you think? I mean, are we freaking out too early? Do, is Riley a goner no matter what? What do you think? Well, it really depends on how you look at it, right? I, I'm with you. I think that he does deserve to hang on there. I don't think, I think that would be a little bit weird to fire him right away, but I mean, will Nebraska do that? I don't know. I mean, he, the guy that hired him is gone. He has lost at home to NIU. He almost lost at home to Rutgers there. That fan base is notoriously, uh, impatient. 
as far as they think that they are blue blood and they think that they should be competing for national championships every year. I think that if I were the AD, I would give him this year for sure and and maybe even part of next year, uh, if not the whole thing, to see if he can get this recruiting class in there and get it turned around. But I do not think that my view is shared in Lincoln. Uh, I think that unless he does something impressive, I think they're going to fire him at the end of the season. Yeah, Rob, they're recruiting really – You know, they've been doing a good job in Texas. We've been hearing their name pop up a lot with a lot of big-time guys. What do you think? I mean, is, is this – is he is he is he a goner? I, I just I just can't believe it. Like I, I I understand they're struggling, and if they you know it's going to be tough for them to to have a good season if you look at the rest of their schedule. But my question is this though: I mean, why did they fire this athletic director if it wasn't you're fired because you hired Mike Riley? I mean, was there other things that maybe I'm not aware of? I mean, I'm not day to day with the Nebraska program, but it seems like that was well, the motivation. You know, for we know the athletic director's a new guy. It's going to be like you can have the job, but you got to fire this dude. Well, that happened. I mean, if you remember, I, I think Texas hired their AD and made him fire Mac Brown that for the, that first year. So if we look, if we, you know, let's play the schedule game. Uh, Illinois, at Illinois, I think we say that's a win, right? Should be. Home against Wisconsin, that's a loss. So that makes them three and three. Home against Ohio State, loss, three and four. At Purdue, We'll say it's a win. That's a 50, I don't know. 50. Purdue's pretty good. <laughs> so that's four and four. Northwestern, Minnesota. I mean, they're looking at six and six, maybe seven and five max, right? Because then they got Penn State and Iowa. Yeah, I don't think that's going to get it done. <laughs> so what do you think? Do you think he should go? I think it depends on who the new athletic director is going to be, right? Because, uh, because I mean, when you look at – well, I don't – I actually – I, I take that back. I don't. I don't really know the terms of this extension you were talking about that they that they gave I think Riley. They just but I mean, tacked a year on to the end of it, I believe. Because that because that kind of puts them in kind of a weird spot. But I mean, you, you know, and I've I've been hearing conversation about, you know, about whether Mike Riley should stay or go in various, uh, you know, college football, uh, you know, what do you call programs, anything like that. But but uh, and and then and then the immediate comparison to to Bo Pelini, and now everybody's starting to look at. Pelini with sort of like you know j- just a little a little bit more fondness with like the toughness that he brought to the program and how he you know you could at least put him down for nine wins a season or something and feel good about that but you know there's a reason they let go of him there's a reason they brought Riley in and uh you know and and I, j- I just think it, it depends on who the new AD is going to be because if you want to it, it's like it's like Rob said I mean there's a there's a relative level of impatience and a, and a and a high level of expectation for for success with that program and you know if you want to if you want to hit the reset button and get things going in the right direction I think you know it, it probably doesn't it probably doesn't favor Mike Riley's future in in that regard I I don't think you can really I think the the concept of having of saying like oh we've got this great recruiting class coming in doesn't end up holding a lot of water at the end of the day especially with the new athletic director because uh you know when you look at when you look at what's going on at Texas A&M for example I thought they had a pretty good recruiting class last year they're having they have a very good recruiting class this year uh so far that hasn't stopped anybody from talking about you know we're playing this waiting game for coach Sumlin to be fired uh, you know, the recruiting class doesn't really yeah, play this, a part in that argument at all. I don't think this is going to be the new athletic director's choice, really. I mean, even if it is, in air quotes, his choice, either the president says, you fire this guy when we hire you. And if that does, even if that doesn't happen, 
then it becomes, oh, why did the guy before me get fired? Oh, because he hired the football coach. Well, you know, what's the one thing you can do to kind of undo that when you're hired as a new athletic director and kind of make amends? Oh, okay, fire the football coach. I mean, when the guy gets fired for hiring a guy, you're kind of putting the new dude in a situation in which he has to almost fire him to score brownie points, which, you know, is unfortunate for Mike Riley. And I'm not one that ever calls for coaches' jobs. I think the hook on coaches is too short in general. Uh, You never want to see another human being get fired. Uh, I just think it's a bad situation right now, and I, Mike Riley's a smart enough guy. He knows what's coming. Uh, he knows that he's I don't in think, a bad spot. I mean, can we can we all agree that the problem with Nebraska over the past couple of you know going back a, you know this season and the back half of last year, not so much not so much a coaching situation or a, or a talent situation. It's a quarterback situation. I mean, Armstrong had injury problems and was inconsistent down the stretch last year. This year, we're seeing a lot of quarterback problems with Nebraska this year. I mean. Are they are they really more a, a good quarterback away from being a being the program that everybody expects them to be, or is it a coach situation? Yeah, whatever it is, they. Well, I mean, it's not. It doesn't matter what it really is. It he's matters. He's had the opportunity. I think it is. Go ahead, Woody. No, sorry, Rob. Uh, but he's had the chance to recruit a quarterback. But that's the problem. Is you know they they were bringing in a new offense, and this was going to be the situation. You know, like okay, we have we finally have our guy in Tanner Lee. Tanner Lee's, you know, he's not good. I'm sorry, Nebraska fans, I love you, believe me. At some point, we've got to see, you know, Patrick O'Brien or one of these other guys that they've recruited because T- Tanner Lee's, th- you know, playing you out of games by throwing so many interceptions. I mean, like you can argue some of them were tip passes and stuff like that, but you know, when we take a look back at at Mike Riley, I mean. You know, he's one of the nicest guys. I mean, I, I, as I've told, I believe on this show before, I met him when I was a kid. He was a, always thought he was a, a great coach, but and a nice guy. But I mean, you look back at Oregon State, 2010, five and seven, 2011, three and nine, 2012, nine and four. Okay, they had a good year that year. 2013, seven and six. 2014, five and seven. When he left Oregon State, the fans there, including our boy M. Deuce, were ready to show him the door. So. It's just tough because I hate, I'm with Rob. I hate coaches getting two years and then being like, "Well, why aren't we good now? You're fired." But uh, you know, if, if if it reaches the point where they're not making a bowl game, I mean, I think uh, <laughs> sad, sadly, I think he's got to go. Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, it's going to happen. Like I said, it doesn't matter whether Woody, Rob, and Nick think it should or not. I mean, I think that it's just in such a spot now where it's almost you know unavoidable. Well, and Scott, in- there's, a spot, there's a spot for Mike Riley in my family. I'll, I, if he gets fired, I'll, I'll definitely adopt him as like an honorary uncle or something because it, you know we've all had a chance to talk to him and we all think he's he's great. Know, he's, one of- he's one of the very few two time yeah. guests on the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and he, one of the very few that publicly embarrassed me. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, guess what? The problem you have, I think, also hanging over here is Scott the Scott Frost issue. I mean, you have a guy who's loved by Nebraska fans. He's an all-timer. And then now he's coaching UCF. They, I mean, they killed Maryland. And if Nebraska awesome, played Maryland... The the, They're just awesome. That's all there is to it. They are great. I enjoy right. them. And you're talking about a team that was winless two years ago. And he's flipped that thing around in such a hurry... He's, he comes from that Chip Kelly tree. I mean, imagine, imagine if he takes the job, 
you know, if, if he's available, you've got to go get him. And I think that might be what what pushes this as well is he's going to be up for several jobs. And I mean, I you know, I was, you know, surprised he didn't get one last year, even after his first year. So I think teams are really going to be coming to get Scott Frost and, and Nebraska can't let him slip through their fingers. So if Mike Riley gets fired, we're going to be sad, but we will talk about it on here. And we'll be following that story quickly. Now, boy, we're, I, Rob and I notoriously hate hot seat coach BS, but it's like Butch Jones can't get out of his own way at Tennessee. We have to talk about it. He comes out and gives a a speech yesterday, which some people viewed as a rant. I think the Tennessee uh, I saw on on VolQuest, a lot of the Tennessee fans took exception with that because he wasn't exactly yelling or anything. I wasn't, you know, he, he, he reined it in. I know when Nick and I watched it, uh, Nick thought he had a chance to to go into a I'm a man I'm forty type uh, situation. He did not do that. He did say some funny quotes, uh, which which kind of made me laugh. But Nick or Rob, did you get a chance to watch the video of of uh, of uh, Butch's uh, chiding the media yesterday? I have read the transcript. I have not seen the in living color video, but I am well, familiar so, with the subject matter. Good. I, I'm glad you read it. So, what did you think based on reading it? What was your take? Well, you know, <laughs> the first thing that I go to is like, uh, who told these coaches that it was like the media's job to to kind of push the narrative that they want pushed? You know, what do we want from our media? Well, it doesn't matter what you want from the media. Uh, you're not the boss of the media. Uh, it matters what other people want from the media. The media has a job to do, and that job isn't necessarily to push your agenda. So that was the first thing I took away from it. I didn't think it was all that notable or, you know, I mean, it's just another silly butch thing, right? Is He's just, it's, it's a coach in a hot seat squirming a little bit, uh, feeling the pressure, and sometimes it blends itself to this kind of things. <laughs> I enjoyed when he said, are we in a reality world of TV? <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, that's a fair question. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but, you know, fair question. Oh, that made me laugh. Well, here's the problem. And, and, and this all is stemming from, you know, one of their best defensive tackles missed the game last week with an injury. There's rumors that he got in a fight with a teammate. I mean, some people are saying they've seen pictures. You know, Butch was asked about it, and, and he said the, the kid fell on a helmet, which is kind of like a, you know, <laughs> I ran into my door situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember one time I famously uh, I took a bad L in a, in a fight one time. It's hard to imagine, given my physical prowess. And I had gotten punched in the face pretty hard to the point where my nose, you know, where your nose and your eye socket come together was sort of like fractured in there and, you know, made my eye pretty gross. And I, I had to go to work still. You know, I had a job. And I said that I got elbowed in the face playing basketball as a uh, – as the excuse, because I couldn't say, oh, yeah, I got I got beat up by, uh, you know, <laughs> I want to say the guy's name <laughs> it would be so funny. But uh, anyway, needless to say, I took I took an L in the fight and I had to lie about it. And to, to say that and I don't know what happened. I mean, obviously, people have told me stuff and I heard stuff prior to it coming out publicly to say he fell on a helmet. I mean, I don't know about that excuse. I mean, how do you, if you fall on a helmet, wouldn't you be wearing a helmet yourself? <laughs> you would you would think right i mean you're wearing a helmet you fall your face mask hits the helmet your eye doesn't get broken or whatever so uh, the logistics are a little bit dicey but i i think the issue is we've seen this on on volquest and, and this was why we had reached out to some other people uh to talk to about this maybe you can get them on the show i just think there is a lot of negativity and i think 
Butch is feeling it. The bottom line is they're three and one. Like, I know they didn't look good against UMass. Guess what? You won. Survive in advance. You move on. Now, this week they're they're coming to play or they're playing Georgia at home, and it looks like, you know, it could have potential to get ugly because Georgia's defense is just flying around. I mean, we saw them. They've been playing great. But guess what? You're still talking about a freshman quarterback coming into Tennessee Stadium with 100,000 fans. And if you win that game, you, you beat the number seven team in the country and you're four and one, you know, you're you're off and running. So I, I can understand Butch's frustration. And I, I don't necessarily, as we talked about last week, think he should be, you know, oh, Butch is fired. If they lose to Georgia, he's going to get fired right then. But, you know, you've got the the Clay Travises of the world calling for his head. You've got him giving these these you know, press conference uh, lectures. Oh, does to the Clay media. Travis, does he, have, he covers football or he just covers ESPN now, or he's still, he's still covering football. <laughs> I think he, I think both. The sound sure. of that guy's name makes me just like, they roll my eyes so hard. I must fall over. I think he went to Tennessee actually too. So that makes it even, even more. Now they're probably getting mad at me if he didn't. I think he went to Tennessee and Vanderbilt, but uh, the, the bottom line is it's tough because Butch does this thing. We've had him. He's been on the podcast. And I've talked to him several times, and he gives. I appreciate everything you do, and he, he mentioned that in here. But I just think, he, you know, I, the way well, he we had pro- we had this we had this conversation last week, right? We and we talked about it with Texas A and M too. It's like what 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 about the scenario? What if what if Tennessee? What if Texas A and M? What if both these teams? let's just for for the sake of conversation let's say they run the table but only win every game by like a field goal or something like that i mean you got to remember too tennessee was uh we we won't call it a hail mary we won't we won't call it a miracle pass they were one play away from you know coming back coming back and and having a chance to beat florida and then you know and then when you look at their their season overall you have a different feel about it too especially if they have that win uh versus florida under their belts and i think you know with with for for somebody like me who growing up, you know, I didn't have I didn't have a college team to root for, right? I mean, I was always an NFL guy growing up. You know, I still like NFL football <clears throat> more than more than a lot of people uh do, especially when you're talking about college football fans. But but I mean the broader the broader college football culture expects power programs to beat teams, especially like UMass, by like 40, 50 points, you know, and it's like what you said, Woody, a win's a win, but when you <clears throat> when you come out against a team like UMass and you need the entire game to beat them and it gets a little dicey down the stretch there towards the end, then you start having like this, you know, this this groundswell of like, well, is he is he getting the job done, you know, well enough? It's not that he's he's not picking up the wins, it's, you know, is he winning by an, by enough points? And that's to to some extent i mean that's unfair to butch and other coaches in his in his situation but to that point there is a lot of sound criticism as to some of the decisions that he's he's made down the stretch and and some of the games as far as his you know the decisions that he's made defensively or or whatever i don't know i don't know how much of that responsibility actually falls on him and he he almost came it's like we said he came right up on that threshold of you know i i don't i don't take i don't take the comments that he made directed towards the media you know, as as really as venomous as we've seen some coaches go, and he they really started to back That was the problem. They weren't venomous at all. Somewhere in there, he says, "I'm friends with a lot of you guys." And it's well, like, right? Exactly. Well, no, but but you said you said you didn't watch it. You did. You said you didn't watch it. So like you could see in his face, like as he started getting into that conversation, he was he was start he was starting to turn. He was starting to get. He was thinking about getting off on that exit, and then. He, <laughs> 
and then he was like, "Nah, you know what? We could we could push we could push it forward for you know you know we we can we can backtrack this and and keep uh you know keep pleasantries between me and, and me and the media at large, which I thought was that ended up being a smart decision for, for him in the long run. It's funny the dichotomy of all this, Woody, is it, it, because everybody's mad at Butch. But meanwhile, you have Florida, who might actually be fake good. I mean, they are one Hail Mary against Tennessee and then whatever that was against Kentucky last weekend away from having back-to-back losses and everybody being mad at McIlwain. Uh, I don't really know. Maybe they're too concerned with all the felony stuff that's happening over there to be really too upset. But I, I, you know, <laughs> there should be a little bit of concern, I think, in Gainesville too because you want to talk about two – and I don't want to say lucky, not lucky, but two just – weird wins that could have very very easily gone the other way and this team looks a whole lot different right now yeah we can transition to talking about uh, florida a little bit as as you're right i mean (laughs) i don't think their fans are happy at all i think the problem is their boring style of play it kind of reminds me when um i was in college at at, uh, ucf uh, with George O'Leary was the coach and some of the games would be so boring and they would win and you'd be like does it even matter you know like do you want to win games if your team is so bad? And like, I want to talk about a famously. Bo- I covered a famously boring game between Bill Snyder and George O'Leary. You want to talk about two boring offenses? <laughs> right, <laughs> that was a tough one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, you know, I think the Gators, uh, <laughs> the Gators have all types of problems, and you know, we can talk about these. Uh, the the players got charged. Or I believe they were charges were recommended, and we're talking multiple felonies. And I mean. This is obviously like you know. What but you know what the you know what the story is going to be if they if they continue to win regardless of how ugly how ugly the results are if they if they continue to to eke out wins once these players come back from suspension or whatever the end result is going to be. <laughs> I don't think they're coming it, back. Well, it, but but regardless, at the at the end of the year, they're gonna people are gonna say like, well, you know, Florida triumphed through adversity with these you know with these suspend. It's not going to be about like how ugly the the wins looked or whatever when they happened they're going to be like well look at look at how well they rallied you know together and still found ways to win football games which is you know if you if you look at the difference in in scores between their it's not going to be very much different than Tennessee's you know well it's just a completely different point of view they've got you know they're going to lose at the cocktail party they're completely outgunned by Georgia they're not going to play for an SEC championship for I mean they played back-to-back years they're not doing that this year I don't think I don't think they're a good enough football team to do it and then a fan base that's already a little bit agitated, I think, uh, is going to turn a little bit more. Yeah, I think McElwain is a good coach. I mean, I do too. Yeah. You want to talk about nice guys? I mean, you know, some coaches in the SEC, you know, you go, you fly out there and go to meet with them and they blow you off. Jim McElwain, <laughs> he comes up to me wanting to talk, you know, he knows me by name. So, I mean, maybe some coaches could take a uh, take a <laughs> take a. <laughs> Take a page out of their book. I'm not going to say which school I'm referencing at the moment, but uh, you know, I think it's been well established in past episodes if you listen to the Easter eggs. But it, there's nothing McElwain could have done to prevent this situation. I mean, these kid, this situation that it, it, now, Rob, I don't know if you read the details yesterday as you were sick, but basically they got some stolen credit card numbers. They used it to buy themselves. A computer with the with the extra headphones, and I mean also one, also gummy worms, right? No one kid was getting occasion. right. He was getting food delivered. I mean, you know, he's not going to get charged with thirty felonies. He's going to plead out of it. They paid the money back, but this story, if it happened at any school 
especially in the state of Florida, would you be surprised? I mean, I wouldn't, right? No, absolutely not. I, I told you the only thing that I was surprised about is, and of course, I'm not going to name names here, that there's one Florida player in particular. I was like, how is it that like nine Florida players are in trouble but this kid is not? <laughs> how has that, that happened? No, it, it doesn't surprise me that stuff happens all over the place. And, you know, I don't think – and it's not – it's not a ton of important players that were, you know, seen as contributors. You know, obviously Callaway is a big hit, um, but I don't think it's. It's not like it was a starting quarterback and the entire offensive line or something. So I don't know if the battle through adversity narrative is really there for the taking. Well, Scarlett's been out, right? Or is yeah. he back? Him and Callaway are the two big ones, right? Well, losing ten percent of your roster, regardless, I'm telling ten percent of your scholarship athletes is notable, even if they don't play. I mean, you're talking about a depth issue, especially as the season wears along. They're not going to have a good year. McElwain should be safe, but I, I do think they've got to step it up in recruiting. He took the chances on some guys this year, which which I think we were a fan of, and and so far, you know, that hasn't necessarily panned out in terms of of on field production or, or anything. But, uh, you know, Florida, I just, <laughs> it just, the whole, the whole situation stinks. And I, you know, I wish the, the players would have obviously made better decisions. But I mean, I asked a couple of recruits about it recently and they said, uh, I, I know what I would do in that situation. I would have done that. So, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> right. there you go. Of course, it's a done deal. But don't, I mean, they got the number nine class in the country right now. So, yeah, I don't think anybody thinks Jim McElwain is in trouble or anything like that. I mean, I think that they could lose the rest of their games. Well, maybe not that far, but you know, they could have a, a pretty poor season and him still survive. And they're going to give him a chance next year with that class they have coming in. And uh, I think they'll be fine. You know, I like Jim McElwain as much as the next guy. Yeah, what's the, Jim McElwain reminds me? Speaking of people we could adopt in the family, he would be a fun uncle to have. Uh, Mike Riley could be grandpa. What? <laughs> Paul. <laughs> They played Vanderbilt this weekend. What do you guys think? Hopefully you haven't looked this up. This is a little bonus game. What do you guys think the over-under is in the Vanderbilt-Florida uh, game? <laughs> well, it's funny because last week Vanderbilt had the best defense in the country before Alabama <laughs> destroyed them, um, according to everybody. You know, it, I, I'm going to guess that it's probably like 58 and a half. Whoa, really? Uh, I think that I, – I, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say closer to like 35. Yeah, I was going to say like 40. Let me pull up the sports action app here. As a, I don't think it's not going to be available yet. One point, Bob. No, no. Guess what? <laughs> Guess what it is. <laughs> one point. It's 42 and a half. Jeez, man. Hey, so I win. Here. Da, 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 what did I say? Oh, did you say 50? I don't, I've already forgot what you said. Look, this I'm is going to get me probably killed by Vanderbilt fans if they listen. But I don't. I, I don't think they're good. Like I don't think Kansas State is good anymore. And I, I in turn, I think Vanderbilt's a little bit better than them. But I don't know that that means they're good. I think Florida is going to smack them. Uh, yeah, smack them sixteen to thirteen or something. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-one to three. Yeah, I would not. I don't think that's going to happen. But that's not one of our picks. So anyway, we're, we're watching the Florida situation. It's it, it's sort of a it's sort of a, a stinker, but uh, what can you do? Now we want to. I guess we'll wait out of the SEC. People claim we're too SEC heavy. Jim Harbaugh comes out this week complaining about the Purdue locker room, saying they're too small, saying they didn't have the adequate medical equipment. And this is sort of a Big Ten thing. I mean, doesn't Iowa brag about having the pink visiting locker room? How has that not been under attack yet? I mean, isn't that a little problematic? I mean, a, a pink locker room and the implications there. 
Well, yeah, maybe. For well, you. during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, it's I'm just very like wondering how I have not seen a 2,000 word Jezebel story on you know the problematic Iowa locker room. Well, unfortunately, I think the people who listen to our podcast and the overlap with Jezebel audience. That might be the only one. one. Yeah, it's you. Uh, although I did send Nick last night, I believe, a screenshot of a Jezebel article of the uh, Olsen twins. Uh, oh, my gosh. Boy. So, so check that Jeez. out. They, they've seen better days. We'll Just in time for Halloween. <laughs> Jeez. Shots fired at the Olsen twins. Uh, sorry, Mary-Kate Nashley. You should have done Fuller House season three. Maybe we wouldn't be making fun of you. Um the pink locker room thing, I believe there's science behind it too. So I think that's why you couldn't, it wouldn't necessarily be problematic in terms of Rob's uh, socialist views. But I think he has a point. I mean, you you guys would know from our days of being uh, real journalists when we used to go out on the road and we, sometimes you'd go into locker rooms and you would be so cramped. I mean, even in the NFL, you go to an NFL. I remember when. Uh, Humble brag when the Saints won the Super Bowl and I was in there trying to get interviews in the locker room. There's nowhere to there's nowhere to even move. And uh, I just and obviously there's a lot of media in there, but why do they make these things so small? And sometimes you see teams shoved in auxiliary rooms where it's essentially just a room with a couple of benches. Rob, you've well, the no air in. conditioning thing is the biggest right, yeah, issue. No. Right? That's crazy. That is crazy. Like, I can't believe other people haven't complained about that before. And I'm sure maybe they have, but not, I guess they don't have the stage that Harbaugh has. Because when Harbaugh complains about something, everybody listens. That's like pretty bad. <laughs> that that should be fixed and it should have been fixed a long time ago. You can't have a cramped locker room with people in pads and helmets and then have no air conditioning, especially uh, as hot as, you know, it's getting hotter and hotter, as they say. <laughs> well, what's, what's, what's Purdue's home locker room look like? I'm well, sure it's got air conditioning. No, I think they've been – the problem is I think they've been bragging uh, about their facility upgrades. So I think Purdue yeah. – Yeah, no, nobody's ever when, – whenever you see like markups of, oh, we're, put, we're funneling hundreds of million dollars into the facility upgrades, getting a new locker room and all that stuff, they never show the visitor's locker room. It's always the home locker room. Sure, but there's a line where like, maybe you've got to have air conditioning. <laughs> no, nah, I, I, it's a competitive advantage to, to – to suffocate the other team, <laughs> rob them of that oxygen for the second half. We need to win. We're, we're in the business of wins here, especially if you're Purdue. Yeah, you know, if I'm building a visitor's locker, I'm just going to have live alligators in there. Yeah, throw them in there. <laughs> At a competitive advantage. Why is there a python in the locker? Well, I'm looking at this Purdue home locker room right now. It looks pretty nice. So, uh, you know, player development room. I do think it has to be – it should be standardized. Go ahead and make a conf- – Make the conference rules, have them investigate or whatever, do a site study, which Purdue is saying that Michigan did come out and do in July. So I think there's a little bit of back and forth. But clearly this is this is posturing by Harbaugh a little bit. I think, you know, I think he's kind of firing some shots at Purdue, which, you know, it's fun. It's fun when he does stuff like this. That's why we like him, uh, at least for, for podcast fodder. So. I don't think it's a major issue, but it's, it's something that seems like it'd be easily solvable and something that shouldn't be kind of lingering. The only solution, on. in my opinion, is that when Purdue comes back there, whether it be next year or the year after, that there are just wasp nests in the visiting locker room. <laughs> and really, you know, on a scale of one to ten, how outlandish is that when you're dealing with Jim Harbaugh? I mean, he, that's something he might consider. 
Well, I mean, all I hear about is Red Auerbach and how oh, he used to purposely only have cold water in the visitors' locker room and this, that, and the third when he was running the Celtics. So, I mean, which yeah, one is it? Started on these old timey stories where people, you know, all these old men like to, you know, laminate about how how much better it was back then when they were doing stuff like that. I, it's that's a whole rant that I won't even get on. Well, we all know that I was famously anti hazing as a high school athlete myself, and it cost me uh, <laughs> to receive additional hazing. We'll put it that way. Um, all right, moving on from the from the Big Ten story, Florida State zero and two. Rob, you put this on the sheet you wanted to talk about it, so I'll give you the floor. What do we think? I mean, I think we can personally tie this situation directly to misses in quarterback recruiting. DeAndre Johnson getting kicked off the team for, uh, you know, obviously assaulting uh, the woman, punching her in the face on that video that we saw that that was a national news story. And then Malik Henry, who we had all types of red flags about. Malik Henry went to three high schools his last two years of of high school. We knew it was going to be a disaster. He goes there. It is a disaster. He gets kicked off the team or he decides to transfer. He was suspended multiple times, I believe. And now you're in a situation where you have to turn to a true – and also, you know, they missed on the J.J. Costantino kid who's been in the – it was a four-star, which I remember arguing heavily against at the time because he didn't even throw the ball in high school. He was kind of a camp hero. And now you have to go to a true freshman quarterback. Florida State should never be in a situation where w- with the amount of quarterbacks they put in the NFL, they have for multiple first-round draft picks year after year, Heisman Trophy winner, where if one guy gets hurt, they're they're in trouble. So that's my opinion. What do you think, Rob? Well, they don't have a quarterback in their class right now. And if they don't get our boy Justin Fields, whose name we have not said on the podcast this week, that's the first one, ring a bell for me or something. Um, they're in trouble again. They, they don't have anybody committed to them at that position and they need it more than ever. I agree with you. I think that, you know, Blackman might be fine down the road, but I, did, I don't know if you watched the game. At the end of the day, he's a true freshman. He probably weighs 105 pounds. You know, he's like the skinniest quarterback I've seen on an FBS field uh, for a very long time. It's clear that he's still learning what to do with the football and the speed of the college game. And I think that was very clear. And it, that offense is going to sputter now without Francois. And I, you know, I don't think that Florida State's in danger of tanking and not going to a bowl game or something crazy like that. I think the athletes on the field uh, will compensate and they'll be all right. Blackman will get better as the season goes on. But uh, this isn't going to be a great season for them, and they've got to get it figured out as far as quarterback recruiting goes. If they miss on fields, which I think I think they are going to get Justin Fields. I don't know that for certain. I don't cover him. Uh, that's not my region. But if they don't, then it becomes a larger issue. Then you've got to go out and try to flip somebody else's quarterback. And that's not always so easy this late in the game, uh, especially as long as Justin Fields has dragged out this recruitment. Uh, Florida State could be left holding the bag again. Yeah, I, I, I think you've got to. There's got to be some accountability there, and say, look, we, you know, obviously we didn't know DeAndre was going to get in trouble. We didn't, we, but you kind of had an inkling about about Henry. I mean, like I said, the, the the signs were there. He was visiting other schools. It was a it was a mess. Um, and then you look at a guy like, um, you know, Blackman, who you mentioned. Blackman was a guy we wasn't really on our radar, despite uh, despite you know him getting a few offers. He, his recruitment takes off late in the process. We like him as a, but I mean, you ranked him as a four star, Rob. But I think that was kind of based on the idea that okay, he's going to have a year or two to develop and get better and, yeah, and add weight and not have to be the quarterback of Florida State as a hundred and ten pound true freshman. I don't think anybody really thought that was going to be in the cards. But you know, funny things happen. Well, the the other thing, I mean, the other thing too is, and I I didn't get a chance to really watch this game 
hard because I was I was driving to uh, Northeast Texas at the time that it was being played. But uh, you know, I mean, you got to factor in the. I, I have to think that that factoring in the psych the psychological and emotional loss of of uh, you know Francois getting hurt in that opening game, plus you know the shakeup from the schedule of you know of Hurricane Irma, you know the long layoff, all that stuff kind of played into their FSU. FSU's preparedness for the NC State game. You guys ready for the biggest name drop in the history of the show? Yes. I mean, I'm really, you want to talk about a humble brag. I was watching the Florida State game with my friend and MSNBC uh, host, Steve Kornacki, and he saw Blackman and said, is that a wide receiver? And before I'm like, no, that is definitely their quarterback. And I had to convince him. I think he thought I was messing with him, that that was a starting quarterback for, for Florida State. I mean, the kid does look like he's... 100 pounds it's really <laughs> unbelievable seeing him in a jersey well and we have they also have uh bailey hawkman on the roster who was a you know long, i forgot about him yeah long time high school recruit uh people was committed at one point to georgia and was he a georgia kid right from georgia yeah yeah the left-handed quarterback personally was you know i don't know i don't want to get get too into but he, he obviously didn't beat out blackman for the job so um, but it, I, I, I think you might have to throw him out there at some point if, if Blackman's not getting the job done. And as I said, this is no fault of Blackman's. I don't think he thought he was going to be pressed into duty this early. And hopefully he, he continues to progress. But I think this is going to be one of those years for Florida State where it's kind of a bummer because they had so they have such good talent. They have so many good players on defense. They probably got 10 draft picks on their roster. You know, it's just a you don't have a quarterback. Before we move off this, and I know you want to, I want to get your take on this. Why do you think this is such a problem for them, recruiting quarterbacks? It shouldn't be. Well, it wasn't until this last batch, as I mentioned. You start, I wrote an article on it the week Francois went down, and you sort of look at the guys. They had, Constantino was – he this is a this is a classic case of coaches overthinking it where you say okay the guy had like 800 yards passing his senior year of high school you're florida state you've got Jameis winston you've got you know ponder you've got uh, ej manuel they overthink it and you reach on a guy like that when when he shouldn't even be in the mix you, you should be targeting elite quarterbacks he's oh he looked good throwing the ball in camp well here we are now year four or whatever he's not even in the mix to play instead of a, a true freshman and, and and Francois was a major win. I mean, and they got in on him a little bit later than some. If you remember, a, a lot of people thought he was headed to Auburn, uh, and or, or perhaps you know Florida. He was from the Orlando area. That was a huge recruiting win. He sort of stepped right in. He thought, okay, this is great. But now, you know, here we are. <laughs> they tried to, to bridge the gap with uh, the the transfer from Notre Dame that didn't work it almost reminds kind of reminds me of and we've seen this we saw it at Auburn when Cam Newton left they had they've had a, a heck of a time trying to replace him we saw it at Oregon where when Mariota left they did two grad transfers and they ended up starting a true freshman much similar to the situation Florida State's in I just think the, these coaches who almost I don't know if they get too confident in their own ability to evaluate and they sort of overthink it, but it's like, you know, Justin Fields is now it's, it's all or nothing. And he continues to pop up at Georgia every single weekend. And obviously Jake Fromm's playing well. And I think if you're a Florida state fan, that's gotta be a good sign for you because you know, you got Fromm and Easton there in Athens, but I don't know, Rob, I don't have, if I had the answer, you know, I'd have, I'd have a job working out of college as uh, people yeah, they, often tell me. They, they got to get fields. This is going to be mighty interesting if they don't. 
All right. So, so we're going to keep, we, we do not have a fields topic, but Rob found a way to work him into the show. Great job, Rob. Hey, <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. All right. So we do not have an interview this week. We do not have uh, another segment, which uh, some of you may or may not have heard last week before it was edited out of the show, but we do have a uh, tweet of the week. You better hope that mediocre money that you make at Rivals is good enough for you for the rest of your life. So it was a little tough, tough sledding here this week after the week because I saw several options pop through my feed. But luckily, James Hodges, uh, at James Hodges 42, who's a high school football coach in California, who has often argued with me on Twitter, calling me a nerd and <laughs> saying, <laughs> nerd. Yeah, he's called me all types of names. Uh, but, but I believe I bested him in a, you know, a verbal, uh, sparring match on Twitter a couple of years ago and earned his respect. He now follows me. Uh, he played on the St. Louis Rams when they won the Super Bowl back in Super Bowl 34. He also played for the Cardinals and Jets. Uh, and now he coaches Barry and Christian High School in California. It also gave me yeah, some. Who's, who's the nerd now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so he's given me some good tips over the years, and he tweets a picture on September 22nd of uh, what looks to be maybe the Super Bowl parade from the year they won. Uh, he's he's recording it on looks like uh, on his TV, and I think he's in the background or something. I can't really tell which one is him. Kurt Warner's holding the microphone, and anyway. He tweets a hashtag GSOT, which I don't know. Greatest show on turf. Excuse me. Yep. And then he replies to himself and, and says, some kid asked me the other day, coach, what's the greatest show on turf? SMH. You better ask somebody. <laughs> Didn't he just ask? And I'm like, coach, he just asked you. Don't tell him that. <laughs> So <laughs> that only got eight likes. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, it deserved. <laughs> really made me laugh. So James Hodges calling me a nerd, making me laugh. Uh, that's a good tweet. <laughs> we'll take that for the tweet of the week. <laughs> oh man, Rob's delirious. I'm laughing. Yeah, I'm not usually huge into the tweet of the week segment, but that one is a good one. <laughs> somebody asked me. I told him you better ask somebody. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> <laughs> now it's time. And for, if you don't know, now you know. Right, exactly. Uh, time to move on. Rants and recommendations. Uh, not a huge week for us, as based on what I'm looking at in the show notes here. Guys, do you have anything to complain about? I'm sure I've got something, but uh, I can't <laughs> that is shocking to me I that know. you have something to complain about. No, I do not. I'm just sick and miserable. Uh, Nick, you got anything? Uh. Uh, I didn't have anything prepared, but off the top of my head, just a just a, a rant slash recommendation slash uh, PSA for anybody living in Texas. Uh, the 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 I thirty five corridor between you know between where I live in Austin and Dallas is just really a treacherous drive. It, three separate instances, I've had I've had blown out uh, semi tractor truck t- uh, tires. Uh, that's in, 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 in some in some form or fashion, either directly strike uh, my car or come very close to this most recent trip uh, coming home. I had to, in in fast and furious fashion, uh, actively swerve and dodge an airborne piece of rubber flipped up 
by a pickup truck in front of me, which I was also I was pretty proud of, but also pretty uh, discouraged by uh, in the in the moment. So you know, people just just keep it buckled up and uh, maybe get like a maybe get like one of those I, I don't know maybe a snowplow <laughs> in order if you're if you're planning on making that drive. All right, yeah, the, the, those flying tires. We've got to do something about that. I know it's got to be some it's allegedly some sort of safety issue for the trucks or whatever. But I mean, the amount of times they're flying over, I've had several people have had damage to their cars because of it. And, you know, who's paying for it? That's what I want to know. Where, where does the money go, Rob? So where's the money go? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Uh, anyway, my complaint is once again dog related, as I might as well just call this the dog complaint section of the podcast. So I'm outside, you know, we have some guests coming to town this weekend and doing some yard work. And I see a, a nice, you know, lady in my neighborhood walking by pushing a, you know, a, a stroller. But it was almost kind of like an old time carriage, like maybe you'd see on Mad Men or something. And I said, oh, here comes a nice lady with her kid. And what do you think pops up but a st- stupid little fluffy dog pops its head out? And I'm wondering, what are you doing? The, the point of walking the dog is so the dog gets exercise. That's the whole point. A lot of people who have dogs who don't behave well, it's because of lack of exercise. So you're out walking your dog in a stroller? At that point, guess what? You're up for Woody's Mental Institution program. You're ch- <laughs> this, this, is, this can be directly correlated to the earlier Woody Womack dog mom rant. <laughs> Uh, wow, this is, I mean, they often dogs together. at restaurants, dogs at bars. What, but hey, I don't have, I like dogs at bars. I'm a, I'm a big no. fan. Of dogs. Yeah, guess what? Were you, were you, weren't you at a bar? Didn't I meet you at a bar where I walked in and a dog started barking at me <laughs> in <Probably>. Sarasota? <laughs> that happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 100%. And believe me, you guess that dog, you know, <laughs> I only respond one way to animals uh, showing aggression towards me, and that's by becoming the alpha male. So that dog's lucky that it was in public a bar in that case, or else it would have been <laughs> it would have been trouble. It, that dog would have been talking about how it got elbowed in the face playing basketball. Put it that way. Oh my god! <laughs> Ran into a door. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> fell, that dog <laughs> fell on a helmet. Um, yeah, well, now that now that we're recording the animal cruelty <laughs> podcast. <laughs> We might have. I swear, we might have. To, I do. I'm not an advocate of animal violence. That's a disclaimer. Okay. Number two, I I am an advocate of violence against people who <laughs> put their dogs in strollers. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Forget, forget about the psychological implications of perhaps maybe this woman could not bear children of her own. This is some sort of uh, you know me- mental substitute, but. Well, guess what? She didn't even wave. I, I still wave despite – she probably saw the disgust come across my face because <laughs> I'm not good at hiding my – In my <laughs> – Go ahead. Well, in, in, I, I think everybody can finish that sentence in their head for you. In, in, my, in my own neighborhood, uh, I, I, there's, there was some kind of – there was some female wa- uh, walking her dog, carried her dog across the parking lot uh, and put it down in specific areas where she wanted the dog to walk. And I, I took that to mean – Maybe she didn't want the pause on the hot pavement of uh, the parking lot, but um, you know, I don't know. You know to, to each their own. That is a valid concern, especially this time of year, especially in Texas. But guess what? The dogs don't go out for fresh. Dogs want to walk around and they want to pee on stuff and they want to smell stuff. That's what they do. And they need the exercise. You're not exercising the dog by putting it in a stroller. So 
that's it. I, I don't really have a recommendation. Mean, guess what? My recommendation, if you have a dog, walk the dog and take it long distances once or twice a day. Don't, don't you know, let it out in the yard to go pee and then back in the house. That's not healthy. That's probably why your dog's misbehaving. And that's why I have to see you complain about me and my dog. Uh, my dog doesn't like other dogs. You're projecting onto the dog. The dog, despite, we don't know if the dog's self-aware. I talked to, we talked about an article if a dog can recognize its own scent, is it self-aware? We don't know. We don't know about that yet. So we'll, we'll revisit that on our dog podcast. <laughs> but, you know, walk the dog. Don't drive it to a bar. Don't drive it to a restaurant. Take it to the dog park. Let it run around. Play fetch. Don't put it in a stroller. And that's it. So you guys got anything else or is that, is that it? No, I'm good, man. Yeah. How about this? 16 reasons to use a dog stroller. Number one. You're insane. No, we don't have time for all 16. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought we were taking it from 16 and working our way down. Oh, man. Well, this... we, we got to get them off this podcast before before this turns into cursing. Okay. All right. M. Deuce and your failing Oregon State football team. <laughs> Play us out. <laughs> Sad. Sad. <laughs> Nuts.